You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Rain Check podcast. Jared Schaffron along with Josh Schaefer once again as the Ontario Rain gets set for the 22-23 season. We still have a few months to go. And before that season even starts, there's a special event taking place in Ontario, the Empire Classic. It's the new name for a preseason game that's going to be between the Kings and the Sharks. So we're talking a little Empire Classic today. Josh, uh, the countdown for this is now under two months. And, you know, for us, it's not a rain game, but there's going to be a lot of players at that time. They're going to be trying to make the L.A. Kings solidify a spot on the rain. So that's going to be a pretty important time during the preseason for both the Kings and the rain. Yeah, and it's uh, I'm really excited for it because it's an NHL game. It's an NHL preseason game between the Kings and the Sharks. Um, but like you said, there it's an early preseason game too. It's not the last one. It's probably not going to be an opening night roster as you frequently see in the last preseason game. But the good part about that is fans out here in the Inland Empire can come to the building. They can come to Toyota Arena for an NHL game and see the LA Kings and all the stars from the Kings. But at the same time, they're also going to see a lot of familiar faces from the rain. Um, players who have either made their debuts or are close to making their NHL regular season debuts in the lineup for the Kings. And I think it's going to be a really cool event, not just for the rain or for the Kings, but for the whole organization. Yeah. Over the last couple of seasons, we've seen a lot of these types of players. They're trying to, to crack their way into the NHL lineup, get a chance at last year, uh, guys like Helga Granz, Jordan Spence made their preseason debuts. Gabriel Velarde, a guy who was up and down during the season had a great preseason for the Kings. And, um, you know, maybe even Matt Valalta gets a, gets an opportunity in net. You know, you're, you're not going to use Cal Peterson and Jonathan quick for all of those preseason games on the Kings schedule. So there might be an opportunity uh, for a guy like Phoenix Copley or Matt Valalta guys who are, you know, trying to break their way, maybe become that number three goaltender in the system. And so you never know what you're going to see in the lineup, but you know, you're going to see high quality play in Ontario to kick off the season. It'll be the first event hockey wise at Toyota arena for the, uh, the fall winter season. And, you know, it's not the first time that they've had a preseason game in Ontario. I actually had one back in 2009. I think it was the second year of the building's existence. So the building opened in 2008. Then in 2009, they wanted to get the NHL out there. They had a preseason game and the Kings played out there. They unfortunately did lose. And I think it was the Kings and Sharks that that actually played. So it's the same matchup that we're seeing this year. The Kings did lose. It was a close game. It was a two to one game. Uh, so very low scoring. And, you know, from what we've seen and heard of, about that game, again, it was preseason. Jonathan Quick did play and, and played extremely well. It sounds like the Kings were outplayed for a large part of that game, but it was close because, because of how good Quick was. Yeah, and so, so quick started. Uh, Thomas Grice was in net for San Jose. The game actually went to a shootout. And get this, it was defenseman Jason Demers who scored the shootout winner for San Jose. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that just shows you, you know, what what we could be looking at here is, is 
players, legitimate NHL players in the lineup, along with a lot of young guys. You know, the Sharks in 2008 were President's Trophy winners. So a year after that is when this happened. And uh, as I can recall, and we've seen from some of the rosters from those games, is that they actually didn't have too many of their stars in the lineup. There was no Boyle. There was no Thornton. there There were all these guys out of the lineup for San Jose. But for the Kings, a lot of them were in. So it's one of those events, you know, it's an early preseason game. The guys are just going to be, you know, getting back out onto the ice for a legitimate game, and it's going to be exciting. Yeah, we actually got a chance to pull some audio from that game in 2009. Here's Jonathan Quick speaking after the 2-1 to shootout loss. Felt good. Like, you know, my win felt good. Uh, team looked good, battled. Everyone battled hard. Uh, you know, you always want to win those games, so tight games like that. I thought overall is uh, is a good game. Now, another guy who played in that game is Drew Doughty, also still obviously with the Kings, a major part of this team, looking to get healthy and stay healthy for the entire season because he looked great when he was healthy last year for the Kings. And he's another guy that that spoke after that game, and I'm sure Drew probably doesn't remember too much now, but he is one of those players who got to play on the Toyota Arena ice, or back then it was the Citizens Business Bank ice uh, in Ontario during the preseason. It was really key to kill off those penalties. You know, I thought uh, the whole team, you know, throughout the fours, the D, and obviously Quicker did a great job. You know, guys were blocking shots, and Quicker came up with a bunch of big saves, and I think without that, we wouldn't have got the point. So it remains to be seen whether we'll see Jonathan Quick or Drew Doughty. Kind of, we won't be able to predict that until probably about the day before or the day of the game on September 28th. But uh, we did get a chance to catch up with someone who was on the score sheet in that game in 2009, Teddy Purcell, who later played with the rain. He played with the rain, uh, played with the Manchester Monarchs, and of course the LA Kings, along with a few different NHL teams during his NHL career, a guy who uh, has a great personality. Uh, He's been featured around the area, whether it's been on Bally Sports. Uh, He's definitely been on Spitting Chicklets. He's he's been around, and uh, we were really fortunate to, to catch up with Teddy Josh, he had an assist in that game. I, you know, it's been so long. He doesn't remember too much about it, but it was on a goal by Dustin Brown. Yeah, yeah. So he, he assists the Kings' lone goal from that game and helps send it to a shootout. And uh, and Dustin Brown, who obviously just announced his retirement these last couple of months, um, gets the goal. And I don't, again, I think he's one of those players that maybe doesn't remember a whole lot from that, you know, given that it was in 2009, but he's on the score sheet. Well, he definitely remembers a lot about the area because now he has decided to make his home in Southern California lives uh, on the beach here in the South Bay. So a guy who loved his time with the organization when he was playing and now still remains close with a lot of his teammates and stays in the area. So it was great to catch up with Teddy Purcell. Here's our conversation with him. All right, joining us now here on the Rain Check is Teddy Purcell, former member of the Kings and the Rain. Teddy, uh, thanks for for taking a few minutes here and joining us. Thanks for having me, boys. Um, great to connect with you as a, a guy who kind of came up through the Kings system, uh, played in Manchester, and you know, I guess first thing, what, what are you up to right now? I, I know you've kind of done a few different things. Uh, we've seen you uh, in, in different roles here a little bit with the Kings. What what are some of the things you're, you're working on right now? What, what are you up to? Uh, I'm just hanging out right now. I'm trying to work on my golf game a little bit. Um, 
I do some work in the summertime with, with Adam Oates in kind of a skilled capacity. He has a lot of clients throughout the league and, and minor leagues and even college that kind of go around the summer and service those guys doing on ice skill stuff. Um, it's still pretty cool to, to still be involved in the game, still learn from him. Um, we've had a great relationship. He coached me in Tampa. I hired him towards the end of my career. So uh, we've always got along well, and it's fun to get, kind of go around and see the boys a little bit and go on the ice and still feel a little bit a part of it. And uh, other than that, just living in the South Bay, um, trying to build a new house and, like I said, try to get my handicap down a little bit. So for being retired, I, I, I'm staying pretty busy, which is nice. How did that uh, that opportunity with Adam Oates kind of begin for you? It just kind of fell in my lap, actually. I uh, I bought my place here, and I was done after my last year with the Kings in 2018, I believe. And he was out here skating with some guys, and um, we went to catch up and grab a bite to eat and a, and a beer. And he said, I'm, I'm getting kind of busy. Would you like to kind of help me out on the ice? So basically, I'm a glorified puck pusher, but um, – you know, since working with him the last three or four years, I know what he's trying to teach the guys, um, basically because I, I hired him before too. So obviously he's, he's introducing new skills and, and stuff, but I picked up on it pretty quickly um, and I just help him out in the summertime. And, and the guys kind of trust me and basically just an extra set of eyes. You know, I'm not out there with a whistle and yelling at, barking at the guys what to do. For one, because half of them are making $10 million and I'm not in the league anymore, so they tell me to beat it. But uh I just kind of, uh, yeah, like I said, an extra set of eyes and kind of go over the reps with them, and and it seems like it's been a good fit so far. What was that like during the pandemic, trying to still be involved? And I'm sure maybe maybe it was more busy as guys yeah, were trying to stay I, I, busy. I mean, yeah, I think at the start of the pandemic, it was tough. Um, you know, no one knew how, how bad it was going to be, and everyone was kind of, you know, sticking to their house and and not doing much. So it was kind of it was pretty boring. But then you know when. He, he lives down in Florida, so I think the rules there were a little lax. So I think they broke some rules after they got a little <laughs> stir crazy and some guys were going down to skate with them down there. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of tough for everyone. Um, but I, I kind of enjoyed it a little bit. I got some more downtime, and I was going through a house renovation, so I was dealing with that and got to be around the dog and drank a lot of wine. So I, uh, I had no complaints during quarantine. Did you pick up any new hobbies? Was there anything new that you that you tried? Everybody's talking about different things they started uh, during the pandemic. Uh, we we cook a lot. My fiance is a big cook. She also plays volleyball, so I was her uh, I was her ball collector when she was smashing balls against the side of the house. So I had to go chase those down for her, and I was she took a few swings at me. So it was it, it was all good. That was a, I was a helper everywhere. Transitioning back to kind of coming up through the system, uh, you were with Manchester uh, before you made it to the NHL. Uh, what do you remember being with with that Manchester team for for most of your first pro season and and kind of learning the ropes before you made it to the show? It was really fun. You know, it's funny. We I'm still tight with just as tight with those guys. I don't know how long it was 14, 15 years ago um, as I am with any teammate. Um, you know, we were, most of us were only together for that year, but you know, we had Quickie was coming up with us. Matt Molson was there. Brian Boyle, Trevor Lewis, Alec Martinez. We we had a uh, a, a really tight group of guys and I didn't know really what I was getting into. I, I played one year at college and we basically played on the weekends. And then in, in Manchester, we basically played on the weekends too. A lot of times Friday, Saturday, Sundays or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it, it was a grind looking back. And during the week, it was just, you know, a bunch of young guys that we thought we were, you know, we thought we were God. You get, we came out of college. It's our first job. We're getting paid to play hockey. We couldn't believe it. You know, we're a, out for dinner and 
like just thought it was the best thing ever. Um, but we, we had a good, good young group that we actually had a pretty good season too. We kind of the bed a little bit in the playoffs. I remember Dean was mad at us for that, but, uh, it was fun learning the, the ropes a little bit. I, I didn't know the difference. I always thought, you know, we're not playing until Friday. Let's just have some beers Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, like college. And some of the older guys were like, Hey man, this is not how you practice. This is not what it takes to be a pro. So couple little eye-opening moments for me, but it was a real good spot to land right out of college. What are some of those relationships like for you now with, with guys like, you know, Trevor Lewis, Matt Molson, and Alec Martinez? They're still tight. I mean, Trevor used to live out here in, in Hermosa with us uh, up until last year, and then he moved back to Utah. But they were just out here with his family a couple weeks ago. Uh, Molson and I, whenever he's in town, we keep in touch, you know, send the odd text message. You know, it's hard when some guys, you know, Molson has two or three kids now. Louie just had his third kid. So it's it's not like you can go on golf trips and boys trips every other weekend or see each other a bunch of times in the summer. Um, but it's fun. Kevin Westgar, too. I still keep in touch with him. Brian Boyle. I mean, he has he has two kids now, too, and on the East Coast. But whenever we get together, whenever we're trying to out East, we try to see each other and, and, and catch up. And we still go back to those old school memories of, of those days, our first couple of years pro, and trying to figure out um, – how to make it to the NHL. I know that you had, uh, you had played a year in the USHL with Alec Martinez. Mm-hmm. And then, like you mentioned, you spent that one year in college with Maine and Maine had some pretty good teams, you know, for those few years. And the team that you were on had a, uh, had a bunch of guys that ended up playing pro somewhere down the line. And it seemed like there were a handful of guys and in, including Ben Bishop, who you would eventually go on to play with maybe not once, but twice or, or then some in the future. Yeah. I mean, looking back, when you're younger, you're just trying to – I mean, obviously everyone wished they could play in the NHL. I honestly didn't think it was reality, so I just wanted to get a scholarship and kind of go from there. Um, we ended up winning that year in the USHL with, with Alec. He actually was my uh, – he picked me up every day for from my billet house. His dad was a uh, worked with GM, so he always had a nice car. And then I remember my first car my parents bought me, his dad got me a huge discount down in, down in Cedar Rapids. It was a, like a nice two-door Pontiac Sunfire. And then uh, we, I ended up, I think he was drafted to the Kings. I ended up signing as a free agent a couple of years later after Maine. And we were roommates my second year, actually. But my first pro car, too, his dad hooked me up and I, I bought a Tahoe off, off his uh, dad's company. So they were always nice to me growing up. I still own probably a couple of steak dinners for giving me all those deals. But um, yeah, and then same thing in college. I knew Bish, I didn't really know him going in. Um, obviously, learned how learned pretty quickly how good he was and how big he was knew how good of a puck handler he was. And we went all the way to the frozen four that year. And I think we both left after that season. I can't remember if he did. Uh, but yeah, Mike Lundin was also another kind of steady Eddie defenseman from Minnesota that we ended up crossing past years later in Tampa Bay. So it was pretty cool, you know, growing up, you're kind of naive to it, I guess a little bit or oblivious. Um, you know, you're just trying to find your own path and focus on yourself selfishly and, you know, help out the teams along the way. But your end goal, once you get that far, is kind of make the NHL, and then you you run into other players that you've played with or against. So it's uh, you always have that little connection, which is pretty special. Yeah, and I mean, you're from you're from St. John's, I guess, Newfoundland. So when you get to Maine, I mean, that's probably not geographically that far, but probably a different world. Being at like Alfonda Arena and like that's that campus and and that energy on the on the campus there for those games are probably pretty cool. But you probably never heard of it before. No, I, I didn't. I went on one visit, actually. I went to visit Maine from Iowa, and they stuck me and my dad in the student section. So I had all the instruments. And we were getting hit in the back by the trombones <laughs> and the 
trumpets were in her ear. I remember my dad called my mom and um, left a voicemail just to just kind of describe the atmosphere that we were sitting in. And I didn't even, I had a couple other visits lined up and I said, I don't even want to go. Like, this is where I, I want to go. One, for how cool the atmosphere was. They had a great hockey program also. And two, it was like as close, like you said, as close as you're going to get to Newfoundland, even though it's not that close. And I remember my parents drove, I drove my Sunfire from Cedar Rapids. It was back in Newfoundland, actually. But I drove it up to Maine and followed my parents up, and it took us like 10 hours to get across the island, six-hour ferry ride, and then probably another eight to nine hours to Maine from the eastern part of Nova Scotia. So that was the closest closest part, uh, closest college I could have went to from home, and it still took us about two days to get there. So uh, it worked out all good. Um, you know, I w- went in as an older freshman, and um, I think I was 20 or 21, and then ended up staying for the year. But I remember my my first around the first hockey game too. It was in September. No, it must have been October. Anyways, it was starting to snow there. My parents were in town, and we were just trying to drive them around the campus, kind of showing them where a couple of classes were and where we ate and whatever. And there was probably there was a couple hundred people in tents outside the in the parking lot outside the rink. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And another guy, an older classman, he was saying that. People were camping out, you know, five to six days before home games, the home opener to get tickets. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen it there. Been to a couple games, and you're right. It's it's kind of like there's other events happening on campus, but it kind of revolves around exactly. whatever's going on with hockey. So pretty cool. I remember Paul Korea had a quote, too. Um, he went to Maine also, and he said yep. you know, he's, he's been in the Olympics and All-Star Games and a lot more experiences than I have. He said, you know, the loudest and the most fun experiences he's ever had playing a hockey game was uh, in that old barn. You know, there's six or 7,000 people out on top of you. The, the band's going, the students are chanting, people are running around the concourse with their shirts off every time you score. So it was uh, it was pretty special. Well, we, uh, we're we having a uh, preseason game uh, for the NHL in Ontario coming up uh, in a few months, and we were looking up you know, who, who played in the last time they had a preseason game, which was in 2009. Um, and you were one of the guys on, on the roster. Uh, probably don't remember too much from, from being out there, but then you end up being back on the rain later in your career. So didn't know uh, if you had any memories of Ontario being on the rain and um, what you remember about being part of that team. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not the way you want to go out, you know, um, for sure. You know, you, you come up through the AHL, and I, I was ho- I hoped I was done with the AHL after the couple of years early in my career. Um, but it is funny how it all works out. You know, um, hindsight, I probably shouldn't have signed with the Kings in that free agency year, but I met my fiance out here. This is home now, so everything kind of works out for a reason, so I have no regrets. Um, but they looked after me. You know, Rob Blake was the assistant GM at the time. He was a GM down in the rain. They still let me live up here in Manhattan beach and kind of commute down. So I didn't have to move and pack up and kind of, even though it's only an hour away, it's kind of, you know, rearrange your life a little bit. Um, There's a lot of good guys on the team. Um, We had a pretty good team actually, you know, kind of an older team and Mike Stuthers, the coach, he was awesome. And, uh, and Heider who's still coaching right now, he was there too. So I think I gave those guys some headaches a little bit and talked back a little bit, but we had a great relationship of back and forth. Um, You know, I was only there, I think for, four months maybe around January to the end of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, like you said, how, you know, start in Manchester with the Kings farm team and then end my career down in, down in Ontario in the rain. But I know I, I was talking to Jeff Moeller and, and when you guys were talking about doing this interview and I said, I think they might be wrong. I don't think I've ever played down in uh, 
in the rain. And then I had to assist. I don't even remember that either. So I'll tell my kids one day I assisted on Dustin Brown's really nice assist when he uh, when he gets his number retired by the Kings. Yeah, we well, were, I, we were sitting ahead, in a Josh. meeting this morning. We were sitting in a meeting this morning, and you know our vice president's like telling the sales staff, like, "Oh, you know, this I, I, we're actually this is going to be the second game." Um, and I don't remember uh, who we played or, or or who scored in the game. And I was like, "They played the Sharks, and Teddy Purcell had an assist." And he was like, <laughs> "All right." <laughs> oh, you, you impressed them. Yeah, you did your homework. You didn't. Know oh yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, what do you remember about playing out there? Because I think, you know, for our fans, I think they take, you know, they take a passion. It's not quite necessarily the atmosphere that you'll see at, at Maine or or anything like that. But, uh, you know, for, for an AHL arena, it does get a pretty passionate group of people out there. And, uh, you know, ending up there at the end, like you said, it's definitely not where you want to be. But it seemed like when you guys had a good team and and things were going well. It was probably pretty good, good atmosphere there. It was, yeah. And their building's really nice. Um, you know, it's big, it's clean, it's it's newer. There's some arenas in the AHL that are, um, as you guys know, are not the greatest places to walk in. Um, but I remember I, I did do a, a, we did like a team charity event at one of the hotels down there, and the place was packed. They were super passionate about it. Um, you know, they're there for hours and hours signing and meeting fans, which an AHL team is that's a lot of people and they're passionate about it. I remember even after the games, when we'd auction off jerseys, when you wear different kind of jerseys for different charities, they'd always raise a ton of money. And I was always shocked at how much money that, you know, the fans were willing to spend for the jerseys. Um, so like, like you said, they, they do have a, a passionate fan base and it, it's, it was kind of surprising to me because, you know, sports in California or hockey in California, sorry, is, you know, it, it's hard. There's so much other stuff going on here. You know, sometimes the Kings don't even, sell out all their games. Um, so to see that passion of fan base, you know, inland California where, you know, growing up hockey is not the most popular. It's not like Canada or Maine where there's only one thing to do. It's either ice fish or skate on the frozen water. So you don't have as many options down here, but I was impressed with, uh, with the fan base. The organization was great. They, you know, they're first class and they're trying to do a bunch of things to get involved in the community. So, like I, like I said, even though it wasn't the ideal ending spot for me, I had a, I had some good memories there, and uh, I'll always cherish it. What was it about, um, maybe not just the organization um, between the Kings and the Rain, but you know the area and you know Southern California in general um, that kind of made you not just come back here, but also stick here after your after your playing career? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's just obviously, you know, I lived I'm from Newfoundland, lived in Iowa, lived in Saskatchewan, lived in Maine. So I was like, I'm done with winters. You know, the uh, Southern California, the way of life is, it's super laid back. I feel the, the people are really friendly. Um, you know, obviously in the, in, in this part anyways, um, I, I just like the lifestyle, I like the weather, obviously don't like the taxes that much, but I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, that's my own fault for, for picking here. Um, but other than that, uh, yeah, it's just a good place to play. I think that's why, you know, some of the looking back, you know, a guy like Brett Sutter, he keeps re-signing out here. His family obviously likes it. I'm sure he could pick different places to play. I remember when I was playing, TJ Hensick was was uh, playing there. He was another guy that could have played different places. But the Southern California drew those guys here. Even Molson at the end there, uh, he came back here when he, I don't know what the whole situation, but they, lo- they let him, Buffalo loaned him here, I think it was. They let yeah. them play here, so it just goes to show that even the older guys, you know, they want it, they want to play here. There's something about it that their families are comfortable and they like to set up at the rink. And you know, um, 
Kings were always good too. Most of the time we, we'd fly where a lot of other AHL teams are driving a lot. So I just think a combination of all those things led to those guys and, and it make it a desirable place to play for a lot of people. I don't know how many games you actually play with them, but we had another player this year, Thomas Hickey, who started with the Kings organization, was in Manchester, but this year after being with the Islanders for, for a while, uh, he ended up finishing up the, the year here. The Islanders loaned him out. Same kind of thing, you know, exactly, opportunity yeah. to play here. Yeah, he opportunity to play, and he probably said, you know, he'd like to go out there, and, and, it, and it worked out. I actually played – I can't remember if he was on the AHL team, but I remember I was on the in the organization when they drafted him third or fourth or fifth overall, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if he went back to junior or if he ended up playing. But, yeah, we I know Thomas and crossed paths a bunch of times. We have uh, an equipment manager who's on, who's with our team now. Give him a quick shout out, Alex Ryan. He he's a Newfoundlander as well, and he just had a heck of a time trying to get back. How hard is it for you to fly back? How often do you try to do it? Because I mean, right now with with the way airlines are and everything, he just had heck of a time. So I don't know if you have a a few tough stories of trying to get back there. I mean, I think it's getting worse now with all the COVID stuff, and I think a lot of I've heard, you know, the airports. Everyone has to be vaccinated to work or to fly within Canada. And if they don't want to get vaccinated, they don't work. I've heard that, you know, the passengers are getting so rude with some of the travel agents. So it's not their fault. They're just the messenger of bad news, which sucks for them. People are just quitting on the spot with, you know, a couple hundred people in line just walking out saying they're done. They can't handle it. Uh, we went up to visit, visit, visit some friends in Kelowna a couple of weeks ago. And on the way back, you go Kelowna to Vancouver, a little puddle jumper. It's like 20 minutes. We're on the flight. We have an hour and a half in Vancouver before we get back to L.A. Air traffic control, someone didn't show up for their job, so we had to sit on the tarmac for an hour and a half. Missed our flight in Vancouver. We were there for seven hours, then came home. Of course, our bags weren't there. We bought a bunch of wine at this vineyard that uh, showed up about eight or nine days later, which I was didn't expect that, so that was a nice little surprise. <laughs> but even getting to Newfoundland, like you were saying about Alex, yeah, you got to fly to Toronto, and then I guess Toronto is the worst airport right now. It's always busy. There's three, four-hour lineups. Um, bags are missing, and then you, you know, there's not as many flights to Newfoundland, so you get to get stuck there at least a, a day minimum to try to get back home. So um, I used to go home a lot. My grandparents were alive. I used to live back there and train back there, but um, since they passed away, I, you know, spend most of my time here. Uh, I try to go home, you know, at least once a year, but my parents come down and they stay for three or four months. So I don't feel like I have to go home as, as much. And I like to avoid those airports too. I don't need that stress. Well, there's a, there's been a recurring question that, that we've kind of brought up with, with a lot of our podcast guests and you've been here um, long enough now to have spent some time at the beach, I assume. Um, so, so when you get out to the beach, if you're ever hanging out at the beach, do you prefer to, sit down on a towel or do you sit down on a chair? I know. Well, my fiance is from Southern Cal. She grew up in Manhattan beach. So she calls me and all the hockey guys, a bunch of Barneys. That's the nickname <laughs> they have for us. So I guess it's kind of like a bender in hockey or a plug or whatever you want to call it. And we were said, what do you mean? You know, she said and the first time, I think it was carts and greener. They had the electric carts. So they had the kids in the cart. And I mean, they have 200 toys. There's chairs, there's a Yeti, there's food. You can literally stay out the beach for a week and be totally fine. So we were walking down the beach, and she goes, oh, I, here's your Barney friends. I see them over there. So we just kind of follow where the big carts were. We're like, what are you talking about? So when we grew up, we just used to take a towel down on the beach, and that was it. Swim, sit on the beach, and I was like, all right, so I guess I'm a Barney. I'm fine with it. I'm taking my chair. I'm taking my cooler. 
and you can call me as big as Barney as you want. I'm going to enjoy this. Do you ever do you ever try to play pickup volleyball or with her? Is it maybe not worth it? Not no, worth well, the competition? Well, yeah, she's she's she'll embarrass us. She doesn't actually like to play pickup that much. I think she likes her downtime and she plays so much as her job. She likes to kind of get away from it and just relax. Um, she kind of gives us some tips sometimes. She put me and Carter through a practice before we played in the Solstice volleyball tournament here a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, we try to play. It's actually funny. A bunch of the locals on 21st Street kind of put up an LA Kings training facility sign in one of the other courts. They call it the B court, the workup court. And they're the A court. So we're not allowed on the A court until we get some touches in on the B court with us. But it's, it's kind of sad, actually. The past couple of summers, we lost a lot of the good volleyball players. We used to take lessons all the time. It was me and Carts and Jake Muzzin and Jack Campbell. Luch would come with us. Nate Thompson, Tyler Toffoli. Um, so it was fun, Derek Forbert. But a lot of those guys got traded and don't spend as much time here now. So we're kind of – the numbers are dwindling down a little bit. But I like to get out there as much as I can and, and kind of move around the sand a little bit. It's it's so humbling. They make it look so easy. And you get out there for 20 seconds and you need an oxygen tank. You feel like a pig. So – I need to uh, need to work on my sand legs. I think. Well, we if I remember correctly, you, go ahead. I would say we should have had you at uh, development camp just a couple of weeks ago. Stoli had all the the young guys out there, and he was trying to get them going. But they probably could have used you. To, uh, I know. Teach, I, teach I a couple I, things. I heard that. I uh, Stoli sent me a few pictures. Um, <laughs> I was up in in Kelowna, though. I think, or I would have went down and showed the young boys. Yeah. What to do? Stoli was still uh, <laughs> was still whooping up on him though. He was yeah, Stoli still got. He's still he's still in good shape too. He's been doing the push up pyramid every day. He still looks jacked. He's got the nice arms going. I need to follow his program. Sounds like I do too. <laughs> if I remember correctly, you used to do those uh, the 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 TV spots with the Kings. Yeah, um, Teddy out Talk. of the beach. Teddy what? Talk. It was called yeah, Teddy yeah. Talks. Yeah, that was actually that was pretty fun. Um, you know, it's kind of get the guys out of their comfort zone a little bit and they all knew me. So it wasn't as awkward as, as someone else going in and, you know, trying to force an interview. They just kind of felt like they were just, we were having a beer and there was no cameras around and um, the pandemic hit and then it didn't really work out that next year. But yeah, that was fun. We went down to the beach one time with, uh, I think it was, that was with uh, Jeff Carter's family. With, uh, me and Nate Thompson went to the salon with our dogs and got a little manicure or pedicure and, me and Soupy, Jack Campbell did the cooking one. There was a couple other ones. Oh, me and Forbes did went horseback riding. He was a big fan of The Bachelor. So he went on <laughs> he went on a few dates with some of those bachelorette girls. So he wanted to do a little horseback riding that they do on the show. So um yeah, a lot it was it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, I remember the I vividly remember when you guys were riding around uh bikes at the beach or something like that. Uh you guys do one at the beach? I did one with Jeff Carter and his family at the beach. We were all dressed up in like elf Christmas outfits. And we went like sliding with the kids down the little sand dune. That maybe they, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, maybe that's what it, we kind of took the cart down the Barney cart. Like I told you about. Yeah. Me and him and his <laughs> wife, Meg, we went down. So maybe that's the one. Yeah, I think that's it. I guess I'm the, I'm the Barney in this, in this thing. Cause Josh is the, the SoCal native. So yeah. he never knew about chairs <laughs> on the beach. Yeah, like he's, I he's a towel guy. True. I know. I, I thought I learned the hard way too, so don't feel bad. We, we're two on one against him anyway, so we're good. Yeah, I mean, well, see, see, I think you, the vibe that I'm getting is you feel bad about having the chair. I feel bad about never having realized that as someone who doesn't like sand, I could have just used a chair this whole time. I know. I guess back in the days, 
what was the reasoning? It was like the parents didn't want to buy a chair. They just said, here's your towel. I don't know. I just, I mean, I just don't like sand. So whenever okay. we'd go to the beach, I'd put the towel down. But then, I don't know. I just never really thought about the chair. And now I've got to invest in some chairs next time I go to the beach. Yeah, no kidding. And you grew up in Southern California? Yeah, from LA too. So I just never oh, even. Don't like sand. Well, you're lucky you're not from Canada or Maine. Because I, I think yeah. you'd like sand more than you like snow and freezing rain. Well, that's that's a good point. So <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll take the sand then. Exactly. <laughs> For me, I'm from New York, so we could go to the beach, but it's a shorter shorter window that you can uh, that you can get there. But we were definitely chair people. Like, c- come with the family. We we all had our chairs. We all brought the chairs. They were rolling chairs. We'd like rolling. We looked probably terrible, but yeah, I, know. I still feel like an idiot every, every time I bring my chair in my backpack. But I'm I'm comfy. I'll I'll take the abuse. Well, Teddy, we uh we appreciate your time, man. This is great having you on, and uh, we wish you the best here as you as you enjoy. Southern California and, and work on your, your volleyball game. Hopefully you can, uh, you can work your way up to the A court. Yeah, I know. I'd love to do that. Thanks for having me boys. Nice meeting you guys. And maybe I'll come down to a game this year with Stoli and management crew and, and chat about old times. Maybe Absolutely. I, I'm I can do a ceremony for my assist in that game. Maybe I'll just drop <laughs> we the should, puck. Hey, we <laughs> might have to invite you. We bring you out there, you know? Yeah. Come drop the puck. Drop the I got to find the video. I got to find the video there. of it. Uh, that's great. <laughs> Thanks so much to Teddy Purcell for joining us here on the rain check. It was great to catch up with him and, and, you know, get excited for this game that a lot of people are really looking forward to, because as you said, Josh, you know, it's an opportunity to see the Kings outside of their normal environment. You normally go to crypto.com arena, you're in downtown LA. It's, it's that kind of an experience. And, and this is going to be different. You've got frozen fury. So there's frozen fury. People have maybe been to frozen fury. It's a little bit different, but, this is an opportunity, you know, you're in a smaller building, the sight lines, we always talk about it all the time, but the sight lines are about as good as any building that you're going to have. There's no bad seat at Toyota Arena. It's a great opportunity to see NHL hockey in a smaller building, and I think the Kings are going to put on a pretty good show. Obviously, you know, there's a little bit of a of an angle there with, you know, guys who, this is the same matchup as what we saw so long ago. Um, not many players left. Uh, just I don't think any players left on the Sharks side uh, from back then. But yeah, don't it's think a new, so. It's a new era for the Sharks as well. And so we've talked to even we've seen some some fans are excited to come watch the Sharks. Maybe you're a Sharks fan that lives in the Inland Empire and you don't get to see them much because you don't want to go all the way up to San Jose. Here's an opportunity. It's it's going to be a good matchup, and uh, I think for a lot of people they're pretty excited about it. Yeah, and and San Jose, the Barracuda in the AHL struggled a little bit last year, but they've got some prospects as well that that we enjoyed watching a little bit this last year um, when they came out here to Ontario as well. So maybe we'll see some of those guys in the lineup. And um, ultimately, you know, it's a Kings and Sharks. It's it's a rivalry game. It's not a regular season game, but you're still going to get that, and it's a good chance to to not only see some of the stars on the ice, but also the prospects and for the Kings, you know, the top prospect pool in the national hockey league right now and already playing in a building that's going to be familiar to so many guys, especially when you're, you're in a, in a period with the Kings where there is so much homegrown talent, or at least so many guys who have come up um, through the organization with the Ontario rain as well. So guys that have played in this building before, I remember when we had the Kings versus Kings showcase last year and after the game, there were a couple of players from the Kings, like, you know, like, a, a, like a Matt Roy who, who talked after the game. It was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't played here in a while. It's kind of cool. Um, and different things like that. So, so you're going to get kind of those storylines again, and it's an opportunity to come out and to 
one of the bigger buildings in the AHL, but a building that is significantly smaller than crypto.com arena. So there's not one bad seat in the house. And like you said, I mean, you and I talk all the time, like would be cool to watch a game here as a fan, but obviously you and I don't get that opportunity. And I think we like it that way, but it's a cool building to, to, to watch a game from, and it'll be a cool spot to watch the LA Kings. Yeah. I mean, that's basically for us, we're going to, we're going to be fans for that game. So uh, we're, we're definitely going to be excited to watch and, you know, we're going to be scouting to see who, who looks (laughs) like what the Kings versus Kings is a little tougher because you don't get that, uh, you know, it's kind of a, just a, a scrimmage a little bit. So you don't really get the same type of energy and atmosphere that you get when you're playing a real opponent. And for us, we are going to get pretty familiar with the San Jose prospects because the Barracuda are hosting the rookie faceoff that is uh, going to be a few weeks before the Empire Classic up in San Jose. Every team that is at that event will play three games. The Kings will play the Sharks. So the prospects, the rookies, are going to be facing off just a few weeks before that. So some of these guys in the Empire Classic, they may have seen each other at the rookie faceoff maybe about two weeks before. So that's another opportunity for us. We're going to see a bunch of these prospects a few different times in September. Yeah, we'll probably be pretty well versed in our Sharks knowledge, too. So but especially by the time that that the uh, AHL and NHL seasons officially start, I think we'll be pretty up to date. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in here to the rain check. We will continue with more episodes here throughout the summer. Uh, We've got more guests lined up and we can't wait to get some more recordings to you. We also can't wait to get the season going. We are now just about two months away from the season, which begins on October 14th at Toyota Arena. The entire schedule is up and available at OntarioRain.com. And we talked with Darren Abbott in our last episode, so you get a little bit more of an inside look into the schedule. Uh, He's our most recent guest, but if you look back uh, through our archive, we had a great season. We talked to a lot of different players on the Rain who are Kings prospects. And most recently, before Darren, we talked to Matt Millar and Adam Brown, great conversation about goaltending and just about anything else. And I do have an update from that conversation if you did listen to it. Okay. Um, I actually made a purchase recently and upgraded my beach chair. Really? My beach chair, it was okay. Probably not even really okay. It was barely acceptable. Uh, But now I decided since I'm so invested in, in the chair... And I went to the beach for development camp with all of the with all of the rookies, all of the young guys at development camp. And Matty Millar, he brought his beach chairs to development camp. We were texting the whole time. I was so impressed by the chairs that he had. I went out and got the same ones. So how much? I've, how much? I don't know if I can disclose that on the. Uh, <laughs> well, what I will kind tell you this. They? It was way more than what my current chairs were because my current <laughs> chairs were uh, Walmart camping chairs. So had to okay. upgrade from the Walmart camping chair. Now have uh, the outstanding Tommy Bahama. Yes. Chair. So so let me get this straight. Your beach chair before, if it's a Walmart camping one, it's more one of the higher upright ones. Right. Like the canvas one. And now you've got the low one that you yep. can. Those are the ones. See, I. Yep. My parents have those. 
My parents have those all the time. So wait, and I your never parents eat... are chair people, but you are a towel person? My parents aren't beach people. My parents are <laughs> Sunday yeah, afternoon. They have chairs? They are Sunday afternoon concert in the park people. Okay. But they <laughs> use the beach chairs for that. Yes, they do. And I got to tell you, I saw the photo that somebody took of you at Development Camp Beach Day, and somebody put it up on your desk. Yep, it's still said, there. That says public relations. Um, and when you, when, when I was last out in the office, um, and you walked away to go do something, I took a photo of it and that's your contact photo now, by the way, there you go. <laughs> that's my, that's my public relations photo. As you, yes. as you walk into my office, you can see that I'm working very hard. I uh, sitting on a beach, sitting on a chair at the sunglasses beach. on. Yep. <laughs> hey, I'm just, that was my job that day. I had to, had to be there that's to true. support media at the beach. So. You know, that's uh, that's what it, what it was like. But I was influenced, got a new chair and I tried the chair out on Sunday for the first time. I was at Hermosa Beach. Didn't see Teddy Purcell there. It was watching the volleyball, though, which was uh, which was very in- intense competition. Um, but just hanging out on the chair, I was listening to the Mets. Jacob deGrom was was pitching. I was all relaxed. I was sitting in the chair. deGrom. Had he went the first five and two thirds innings perfect, hadn't didn't allow a hit. So I was just total relaxation. It was <laughs> fantastic. I had a great Sunday with my new chairs at the beach. So highly recommend the Tommy Bahama chairs if if you're willing to fork over what was kind of a surprising price tag. <laughs> when you when you said you made a purchase, I really thought you were gonna say, Yeah, so I got some, you know, barbecue short rib. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really good. I was expecting that. And then I would have been jealous. Well, the beach if, chair. I'm still jealous, but not as jealous. I, I do love barbecue, too. So you never know. That could be a purchase down the line. But yeah. <laughs> first upgraded the beach chair and can't complain. Great purchase. Good. I, I'm I'm proud of you. So so next, I guess I'm going to have to try it. Went to the beach the other day and did not have a beach chair. Mm. So and got we a pretty bad burn. You so <laughs> and you got sunburned. Oh, it was bad. Probably the worst I've ever had. See, when I'm at when I'm public relations at the beach, I always bring the sunscreen. It's very important. <laughs> but anyway, Josh, great catching up with you as always. And we will be back for another episode in a few weeks. So thanks to everybody for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon.